And I'm Ash. Welcome to Crime Potatoes Podcast. Grab your snacks, get comfy, and let's get to it. We are back with another episode. Hello, hello, hello. Real fast before we start, I have a funny story, kind of. I feel really stupid, but I feel like I need to give one of our listeners a shout out. Um, so, <laughs> background. My little boy was sick, so we had to take him to the ER. Um, he tested positive for both COVID and RSV. Anyways, besides the point. Dead. Anyways, so we checked into the ER. I was wearing my Crime Potatoes sweatshirt, and the girl checking me in was like, oh my gosh, I love your sweatshirt. They're some of my favorite people to listen to. And I just was like, oh, thanks. I didn't even tell her that, hey, I'm Ash. I'm actually one of the hosts. <laughs> I was so worried about my little boy. Your, I, your focus didn't was even cross elsewhere. My mind. It's okay. Yeah. So <laughs> shout out to you. You got to meet me. I don't know if that's cool or not. I'm just another another person, but <laughs> thanks for listening and we are so glad to have you here. Yes. Yes. That's that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's Jace. I walked over to Jace, my husband, right after, and he was like, Did you like why did why didn't you tell her who you are? And I was like, what? He's like, she just said she liked your podcast. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I was just so focused on <laughs> giving her our information and worried about our little boy. Like, So anyways, it's fine. It's a great time. It's all good. That is. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That's funny, though. <laughs> well, just know if you you guys meet us in person ever. We might forget who we are. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> All right, what are you snacking on tonight, Ash? Tonight I have my water, trying to stay hydrated because I've been drinking lots of Dr. Pepper the last few late nights. Um, and then for my snack, I have some probiotic strawberry yogis. Um, I got these at Costco and they are so good. So they're like real strawberry bites covered in yogurt. Huh. Freaking delicious. I'm going to use your Costco to try those out go right ahead (laughs) what are you snacking on uh well i don't have it anymore because i inhaled it i just had an ice cream sandwich oh nice yeah i don't think i've had one of those forever yeah this is the napolitan one and funny story actually but for the longest time and still in my house But I thought it was called Napoleon ice cream. And so that's what we called it. The Napoleon ice cream. Yeah. You're dumb. I know. It's fine. I'm just kidding. I'm sure there was a time I thought it was called that also. I'm pretty sure you are part of my family, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, but I just, I don't remember ever calling it that. I do. Especially, I don't know why, but I specifically remember calling it Napoleon ice cream at Grandma Ruth's house. So, yeah. That is so fun. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you don't remember. What a memory. 
I know. Also, like you, I am also drinking water because I'm trying to be better about not drinking caffeine at night. Yeah. So. I feel that. <laughs> um, so the case I'm doing this week is one that I feel even afterwards, I, I just, I didn't do it justice. So I'm going to highly recommend you guys read a book <laughs> after, which comes no surprise for me. And you can't see me, but I'm rolling my eyes because I am not a reader. And I'm rolling my eyes back because I am. <laughs> you need to read more. Reading is good for you. That is all. So the case I chose this week is the Amish schoolhouse shooting. Um, and in the Amish community, it is known as the happening. But yeah, without giving too much of it away, I'm just going to give you my sources and jump into it. So my sources this week are Wikipedia, Murderpedia, History.com, The Book Forgiven by Terry Roberts, NBCNews.com, NPR.org, and TheGuardian.com. October 2nd, 2006, Bart Township, Pennsylvania. Charles Carl Roberts IV, or Charlie, as his family and friends called him, walked with his wife Marie and oldest child to the bus stop to send her off to school. Just a normal day. They went back home. Charlie said goodbye to Marie and their remaining two children and was on his way for the day. No one saw the darkness brewing inside 32-year-old Charlie. No one could even imagine what he would do. No one would truly understand the events that would unfold just before 10.30 that morning. Bart Township is a small town in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, with a population of around 3,100. So, Did you say 200? 3,100. Oh, it cut out right, <laughs> like a little glitch. And oh, so no, you like, For some reason, heard 200. Yeah. So imagine like the town we grew up in. Yeah. About that size. Bart Township includes the community of Nickel Mines. Nickel Mines is home to many, oh my goodness, many old order Amish people. A passive people, the Amish community is widely known for their religious devotion, wearing traditional clothing, and shunning certain modern conveniences, which includes limiting use of power line electricity, telephones, and vehicles. A heavy emphasis is placed on church and family relationships. The Amish usually operate their own one-room schoolhouses, which provide education up to 8th grade. So after the age of 13 or 14, formal education is discontinued. The Amish schoolhouse located in Bart Township, Pennsylvania, was called West Nickel, Mi West Nickel Mines School. And this, unfortunately, is where our case takes place. 32-year-old Charlie Roberts sat in a borrowed truck at an intersection next to West Nickel Mines School. He watched the kids finishing up their recess and go inside. 10.25 a.m. Charlie backed his truck right up to the doors of the schoolhouse. He went inside asking if anyone had see seen a clevis pin on the road. Which? Seen the what? A clevis pin? Yeah, all... Maybe we'll post a picture on our Instagram page of it. I It's some kind of building tool, I think. I don't know. Hmm. I 
it did not look familiar familiar to me when I looked it up. But all right. Yeah, he asked if anyone had seen one on the road and obviously confused, those inside answered no. Charlie then went back out to his truck and returned back inside with a 9mm handgun. This time he ordered the boys to help carry things from his truck to the classroom. These items included lumber, a shotgun, a stun gun, wires, chains, nails, tools, a small bag, wooden board, a rifle, 600 rounds of ammo, two cans of smokeless powder, two knives, and rolls of tape. Inside the small bag held a change of clothes, toilet paper, candles, and flexible plastic ties. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, yeah. prepared, I guess, but holy cow. Yeah. Later, the police would later state that they think he was in it for the long haul like he was he prepared for a siege got you um yeah without giving any way anything away a siege did not happen while the boys hauled in all this stuff the teacher emma may zook along with her mother who was visiting took the opportunity to escape and ran toward a nearby farm for help charlie saw them leave and ordered one of the boys to stop them threatening to shoot everyone if they got away luckily they got away and asked Amos Smoker to call 911. Meanwhile, Charlie ushered everyone back inside before deciding to allow all the remaining boys, a pregnant woman, and three parents with infants to leave. Undetected, nine-year-old Emma Fisher simply walked out with those that were being allowed to leave. Charlie then barricaded the doors with two-by-fours and ordered all the girls to line up against the chalkboard. He then tied their legs with zip ties. Amos Smoker's 911 call was recorded at 10.36 a.m. The first trooper to arrive on scene arrived at 10.42. Unfortunately, not unseen by Charlie. Charlie called his wife on his cell phone, briefly talking with, with her. He told her that he was upset with God over the death of his baby daughter in 1997. He also told her that he had molested two girls 20 years earlier and was having fantasies about doing it again. Before hanging up, he told her he loved her. That's a bombshell if the wife didn't have any idea about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get right. to that a little bit. <laughs> As more officers showed up and well waiting for reinforcements... They attempted to communicate with Charlie through their PA system in their cars, asking him to throw out his weapons and exit the schoolhouse. By 11 o'clock a.m., police officers, EMTs, and residents of the area were gathered outside the schoolhouse. County and state police dispatchers briefly made phone contact with Charlie, where he told them if the police didn't leave, he would start shooting. 13-year-old Marion Stoltzfus Fisher said to Charlie, please shoot me first. Understanding the danger they were in, survivors say that Marion was hoping by getting shot first, the others might be spared. Her sister, Barbara Fisher, age 11, saw what her sister was trying to do, then said, shoot me next. At about 11.07 a.m., seeing no way out, Charlie began shooting. State troopers immediately approached the school, and just as they were about to breach, the shooting stopped abruptly. 
and upon entering, they found that Charlie Roberts had shot 10 girls and then turned the gun to himself, committing suicide. All the wounded girls were rushed to the hospitals. Unfortunately, two had died on scene. One was pronounced dead on arrival at a hospital, and then two sisters died in the early hours of October 3rd, when their life support was ended. Those sweet souls were Marion Stoltzfus Fisher, age 13, Naomi Rose Ebersol, age 7, Anna Mae Stoltzfus, age 12, Lena Zook Miller, age 7, and Mary Liz Miller, age 9. The other surviving victims, though not without pain and a lot of healing, are Rosanna King, age 6, Rachel Ann Stoltzfus, age 8, Barbara Fisher, age 11, Sarah Ann Stoltzfus, age 12, and Esther King, age 13. The youngest victim, Rosanna King, had not been expected to survive, and so the family decided to take her home where she could pass peacefully. But to everyone's surprise, she improved. However, she suffered serious brain injuries, leaving her unable to walk, talk, or feed herself. But she does recognize, recognize family members and smiles frequently. This horrible event left so many unanswered questions, especially for his family. Why did Charlie do this? What was Charlie thinking? What did he think to accomplish? Why, why, why? My heart is just like, oh, like those sisters that were, you know, they knew what was coming. So they're like, hey, take me to try to spare the lives of others. Like, that's just, that's never something you should even have to consider i feel like at at 13 or 11 it's horrible yeah and unfortunately marion was killed the older sister right yeah the older sister marion died and then barbara survived um but she did have i think a lot of surgeries on her shoulder um where she was shot but no i it is it is uh yeah <laughs> i want to say more but that kind of comes later that's all right um anyways so though it seemed like an open shut case investigation was still done and what was found still left questions unanswered and opened up many more questions so charlie roberts was a quiet man considered an er introvert by family and friends he was hardworking and a lover of outdoors and he loved his family he was a father of three, and he had no criminal record or history and no record of mental illness. Charlie was raised Catholic, the oldest of four boys, son of Chuck, a retired police officer, and Terry Roberts. So he had three kids. Um, did And none of them attended this school, though? No. So he was not Amish. Oh, yes, that's right. He's okay. All right. Yeah. I didn't put the two together for some reason. No, it's okay. Yeah. No, he wasn't Amish at all. His kids, well, his oldest was old enough to go, I think, to kindergarten, kindergarten or first grade. And um, she went to a different elementary school. So they were really young anyways. Yeah. So I think he had a six or seven-year-old was the oldest a three-year-old and 18-month-old, okay. I think, were the ages of his kids. 
He has been around the Amish most of his life and knew many of the families that fell victim by his hand. His dad ran a chauffeur business for the Amish, and Charlie himself worked for his father-in-law as a milk tanker truck driver who served several Amish farms in the area, and several of his victims knew him personally. Upon further investigation, Marie, Charlie's wife, turned over three suicide letters Charlie had written. Most of it was nonsense, rambling, and said much of the same things he had said to her over the phone. And the police did do investigation into that. They talked to people, tried to find evidence of it. Um, but the two female family members that Charlie named, saying that when he was 12, he molested them, they denied it, saying it never happened and they had no memory of it ever happening. And the police couldn't prove it ever had happened. When Marie and Charlie were about a year into their marriage, they announced that they were expecting, but Marie would have their daughter prematurely, and Elise Victoria died 20 minutes after her birth. He said over and over in his letters that he blamed God for that, and in the end, they believed that this was him acting out in revenge. But this story doesn't end here. As family of Charlie's gathered together on the evening of October 2nd, 2006, they were grief-stricken, trying to understand why, and grieving over the loss of Charlie and the victims of his rage. There was a knock at Chuck and Terry's door. Terry answered it, and there stood their Amish neighbor, Henry Stolfus. Terry would later write in her book that Henry didn't look angry, but instead compassion radiated from his face. He went right over to where Chuck was sitting and Chuck was sobbing. Henry placed his hands on Chuck's shoulders and said, quote, Roberts, we love you. This was not your doing. You must not blame yourself. End quote. And that's not all. Many Amish families brought food to Marie and her children that same night. That's... That would be so hard. So that is like such a big, I don't know, like that's just amazing that like they still were able to have like compassion and love for them. them. I mean, of course it wasn't their doing like they said, but it would still, it would be easy to still hold like hate or I don't know, you know, so. A grudge against yeah. his parents and wife and children. Yeah. That. So it, yeah. That's pretty cool, I think. Well, it it gets better. Okay. <laughs> um, after the girls were laid to rest, the Roberts family decided to hold a private funeral for Charlie. On the day of the funeral, police were stationed at the gravesite to keep the media out and any protesters from causing a scene. The Roberts family were just surrounding the grave when many Amish families began gathering around them. Even parents of the victims were there. The Amish blocked the media's view of the grieving family. After the service, the Amish came forward giving them condolences. That is like, <laughs> that's even, oh, I don't know. I like got the chills kind of because they, again, they could easily be like, yeah, I'm sorry for you, but so glad he's dead. Or I just, yeah, no, that's, and that's not all though. So not only did they show up to the funeral to show the family their own support, 
and help block out the media from taking any pictures of the grieving family. But as money came in from around the world to help the Amish families, the Amish refused to to accept any money unless half of it went to Charlie's widow, Marie, and their kids because they too needed help financially. And that's amazing. I know at the beginning I said, uh, like, I'm going to highly recommend you guys read the book because if I, if I, honestly, if I could just read it to all, read the whole book, all of Terry Roberts' book, Forgiven, it's just, it is such an amazing story. And the Amish did say, like, they don't talk to the media, like, because they, you know, they've shunned that kind of stuff, but they did talk to, and in the book, um, they even said that it isn't easy for them to forgive. And it took a long time for each individual Amish family and individual person to forgive. But they came together as a Amish community and chose to forgive and to follow through immediately. And because of that, they a lot of them said that it helped them personally forgive. And with that, because of this, and even though um, it was such a heinous act done, Terry Roberts built a beautiful relationship with her Amish neighbors. And to this day, um, she goes to speaking events. She hosts a tea party for the school Amish schoolgirls. The Amish men built her a sunroom on her house. Uh, it's just, I, I don't know. Um, so as, <laughs> as much as I want to describe every beautiful and amazing thing that happened in the aftermath, I will end with this quote from Terry Roberts' book. We live in a society that glorifies survival. That teaches us to seek revenge when wronged, to come out on top. I had braced myself for the inevitable hate and vengeance. Instead, I encountered love beyond understanding, forgiveness from the very Amish families whose daughters my son had swept from their arms. And I discovered by their example that submission and surrender, love and forgiveness are not weaknesses, but the strength our world so desperately needs. End quote. Again, I I know I said this at the beginning, but I really did not do the forgiveness surrounding this story justice. And so much, there is so much we as a world can learn from this case, I think. I know I said I was going to say this at the beginning, but if you read just one book this year, I highly encourage you to read Forgiven, The Amish School Shooting, A Mother's Love, and a Story of Remarkable Grace by Terry Roberts. It was an incredible read. And again, this episode does not do justice for the aftermath of the relationships built and the incredible forgiveness and love and compassion that came from the Amish families but yeah that's that's my case this week so well I feel like a lot of times like these episodes like what we share I've said this before it can be pretty heavy 
Um, and not that this wasn't, but it's also like so like comforting to know they're s- such good people and good hearts. And I don't know. That's just you. You texted me and told me that you were excited for this week's story because you were like, it's such a beautiful story. And I was like, um, do you know what topics we cover? Like, I was so confused, but like, honestly, it's true. Like, it really <laughs> is like, yeah, I know. And I just, what did I say yes. to you? I just said, just yeah, wait. But no, it really, truly just is wait. like a beautiful story. I mean, sad, yes, but there was some, I don't know. I know. And I, like, I've, I've said this so many times and I think I text you because I had such a hard time putting it all together because I, I, I wanted to do justice to the Amish family and really focus on that aftermath of what happened, yeah. you know, after, um, oh, I should, I was going to say, and I, I forgot, but they did tear down that school, um, that the Amish called the happening happened in and they built a new school a few miles away and they call it the new hope school. That's so cool. again, amazing. We have a lot to learn. I think I know I do. Cause I, that, don't know that I could forgive. Yeah, I don't uh, that easily. I don't think I could either. That would be so, so hard. Yeah. So, but again, highly, highly recommend reading that book. I'll put it, I'll, we'll put a link to the book on Amazon. That's, um, I list, I bought it and then I also listened to it on Audible and ugh, I'm glad I have it now because it's one that I could, like when I, I need that hope <laughs> for humanity, it's one I, I would read again. So, well, thank you, Kenzie. That was, yeah, that was a good story. <laughs> it was, a, it was sad, but it was also very good. It was, I mean, sad, but beautiful yes. in the aftermath. As weird as that sounds. I don't think that sounds weird so, at all, actually. Now thank that you. I've heard yeah. the story. <laughs> now you know what I yes. meant by that. Yes. I was I was slightly concerned. I'm not going to lie. I was like, is my sister okay? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, well, do we have to go back to when I wrote a play about Mary Bell? <laughs> I can understand your concern. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> valid. <laughs> I am valid in my thoughts. <laughs> well, listeners we are happy to have you here with us again for this week and please if you enjoy us subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. we are also on spotify and give us a five-star rating if you really enjoy us it helps boost our show and get us out there more please 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 do that um also please follow us on social media on instagram at crime potatoes we have a fun thing coming soon um so you will not want to miss out that is right we do have something yes, exciting so you will not want to miss out yes. it will be posted on instagram we may post it on the podcast we'll kind of see but if you want to be the first to know make sure you go follow us on instagram at crime potatoes yes Yes, yes, yes. You don't want to miss this. All right. Well, thank you guys for being here and hope you guys have a good week and stay safe, potatoes. Bye.